Welcome to Breitbart News Daily. Thanks for being here. In the first segment of the show, we talked about Taylor Swift. So, and you're like, oh, Slater, why would you talk about Taylor Swift? No, it wasn't really about Taylor. We love her so much. Time person of the year. It's about time. The queen of the dinks gets the recognition she deserves. Yesterday, we talked about the dinks. Dual income, no kids. And she's the queen of the dinks. And uh, I think it's, uh, it's a problem. So we talked about her and got into a bigger picture a bigger obvious thing about how you're just lied to all the time you are fed garbage and we don't even realize it we're so numb to it but just like you you're fed lies from the media and we talked about some george floyd there's a new george floyd documentary called the fall of minneapolis uh and all everything you're told about george floyd is a lie every single thing so you're fed lies but then by the same about media and the news right but by the same people you are fed lies about music what is good music and what you should worship and what you should love and what you should spend your time doing and what's important in life. Like all those things are lies from the same people. So the same skepticism you have about the New York Times, you should have about everything you're being fed. That was the point of the, the first segment. Alas, uh, Sirius XM, you have to be a subscriber over there to, uh, to hear the whole show. Here, uh, this is our presentation. We finally got around to the MIT, Harvard, and UPenn presidents with some updates. And it's just a matter of time, oh, you would think, before these gals get fired. Here's the latest. We, like, it's a Republicans pounce headline. Republicans are the main part of the story, not the presidents themselves, not the anti-Semitism itself, not the rot of the universities itself. It's the Republicans. And by the way, Republicans didn't just try to do it. They absolutely did as the president of Penn had to come out and do a two-minute uh, hostage video about uh, apologizing and <laughs> clarifying her stance. Uh, the PR machine at Penn went nuts. Uh, David Burge, he says, a couple fun facts. First, calling for genocide against Jews, if not delivered to incite a mob of violence, is 100% constitutionally protected speech, only in the sense it cannot be punished by the government. B, if you are not the government, you are a cowardly college administrator, and in no way does the First Amendment force you to accept brain-dead neo-Nazis in your student body. This is uh, Congressman Kiley talking to the president of Harvard. If you are talking to a prospective uh, student's family, a, Jew a Jewish student's family, right now, could you look them in the eye and tell them that their son or daughter would be safe and feel safe and welcome on your campus? We are absolutely committed to student safety. And yes, but I didn't ask that every... question about your commitment. I said, could you look them in the eye right now, the family of a prospective Jewish student, and assure them that their son or daughter would feel safe and welcome on your campus? We are taking every step to ensure their physical and their psychological safety. So yes or no and to my question, though. Did that. you want to answer it? I guess I not. I answered your question. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, let's play a little bit of this. This is a student at one of these schools. For the past three weeks inside Houston Hall, our student center, an anti-Semitic headquarters has been erected with signs spreading Hamas propaganda. The organizers, both Penn affiliated and not, were initially asked to leave as they are trespassing on campus property. Well, three weeks later, they are still sleeping there and countless Jewish students have been harassed, yet the anti-Semitic dormitory remains. Clearly, both a disregard for school policies and permission to disregard them by a university unwilling to do anything. Not only are tensions palpable, but there have also been materialized actions taken to intimidate and harm students. A bomb threat against Hillel, 
a swastika spray painted, the Hillel and Chabad houses vandalized, a professor posting the armed wing of Hamas's logo on Facebook, a Jewish student accosted, Jews are Nazis, etched adjacent to Penn's Jewish fraternity house. Why doesn't the university hold the perpetrators of such acts accountable? Is the university fearful that they may offend those who wish to intimidate and harass their fellow students? Penn's ambivalence fuels a crisis that has shattered my academic sanctuary. Policies meant to safeguard us have become hollow promises. And let us be clear, if they fail Jewish students today, tomorrow they will fail the rest of us. Nonetheless, I refuse to go back to 1939 when Jews had to hide their religious symbols and hide who they are due to the intimidation and harassment of us. I used to think this was nonsense, fear-mongering, until I was made aware that Penn recommended to students, quote, not wear clothing slash accessories related to Judaism. Hundreds of posters mocking the hostages featuring cows instead of humans adorned Penn's campus two weeks ago. While on my way to class, I was greeted with chalk reading 90% of pigs are gas chambered. As a student, what my despite what my university says, I do not feel safe. Let me be clear, I do not feel safe. Luckily, there are policies in place to protect students from the heinous acts I described. Unluckily, the university seems to have no interest in upholding those very policies. Uh, and here's one reason why. This is the president of Harvard. Harvard receives funding from foreign entities and governments which support its Middle East Studies Department, correct? We receive funding from a variety of sources because we have alumni from all over the world. But that is correct, right? The Middle Eastern Studies Department? We receive funding from it's various sources. It's a yes sources. or no. Are you not aware where the Middle Eastern Studies Department receives funding? We receive funding from various sources. I am asking sources. you a yes or no question. You are under oath in front of the United States Congress. You were giving lip service provided your attorneys. It's a yes or no question. Harvard receives funding from foreign entities and governments which support its Middle Eastern Studies Department, correct? We have alumni all over the world, and we benefit so the from their, correct. From their yes. philanthropy. Yes, the answer is correct. We receive support from and our alumni a, from all over the and world, support, from individuals. And what amount of support is that reported to the federal government? I'd have to actually look at our filings. You I, don't know? As the president of the university, you don't know? Not that particular number. It's no, $1.5 billion over the past three years. Are you aware of that? I don't know if that is the correct number, but that's the number you've shared. Has Harvard reported all Regular of order. the federal? Oh, my time. We followed the money on, I think, yesterday's show. $13 billion from our enemies. And there's obviously a quid pro quo with that. Here, here's a billion dollars to chair this department. And uh, here's what we want in exchange for that. We want certain professors. We want a certain number of students admitted. We want, obviously, certain curriculums, certain classes. That's what that is. And they just take the money because that's what these people want. That's what these university presidents are for. They're for, uh, they're, they raise money. That's what they're, their point. Um, <clears throat> that's their point. The university has its own system. The president's job is to raise the money to feed that beast. Let's go to line four. John is in New Jersey. Hey, John, what's going on? Good morning, Mike. How are you today? Doing real good. Okay. Uh, just about two days ago, I read uh, a piece in the journal about uh, Hillsdale College is being sued by two former female students who said that they were raped and uh, that they didn't 
received their Title IX rights as far as the uh, investigation went. And Hillsdale College's response was, we did an investigation, but we don't have to abide by Title IX as we accept no federal dollars. So their attorneys uh, are suing and stating that 501c3 tax exemption is equivalent to receiving tax dollars. Oh, interesting. That's good. That's good. So if they are successful with that, everyone, every 501c3 in this country is in big trouble. Oh, what a great point. Sorry, I didn't even get to the next the next point of it like you just did there yet. That's great. Um, yeah, so the argument is that any 501c3 is is receiving federal money because they're not giving over taxes. So that again, that's the same idea. Like the government owns all the money. They let you keep some. That's the same as them spending money. So if you're a 501c3, you, the government's giving you money because they're not taking it from you. Therefore, they're under your thumb. You're under their thumb uh, with everything they want by default. Is that it? That's it. Yeah, that's really good. <laughs> good for them. Oh, uh, you got to owe it for them. John, they're pretty, they're pretty slick, huh? It's, they're coming at us from every direction, nonstop, nonstop. So, it's, uh, you know, freedom of speech, we, we're losing it everywhere. You know, it used yeah, to be no. life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, and now it's abortion and genocide, lockdowns and uh, social equity. You yeah, can forget fair. the other three. Yeah, that's very different. Uh, John, thanks for the call, brother. Thanks for listening. Uh, yeah, freedom of speech. It is amazing what we get away with here on Sirius XM Patreon. <laughs> I have, I've been in radio for 16 years, I think. Something like that. Maybe 17. I have never once in 17 years had any, I've never had anyone tell me what I must or cannot say. Unbelievable. And I lucked out a lot in terrestrial land because I always worked for a local company. And they don't have many of those left. So the boss is always right down the hall. No one's ever told me what to say or what not to say. And I've like, I don't, I, you know what I mean? Like we've said some stuff. And I've never, it's unbelievable. And uh, now terrestrial is changing big time. But here on satellite, the, the bosses here at Patriot, no, no, no. It'll, it'll never happen. I, 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 can't, I can't fathom it happening. Having the, the, just knowing the bosses we have here in Patriot, I, there's no way I'll ever get a call from any of them saying, hey, Slater, you really got to tone it down on the, uh, you know, the George Floyd stuff or whatever. I just cannot see that happening. And then we have no FCC here either uh, because it's satellite and it's awesome. And then, of course, Breitbart. Are you kidding me? So we're in a good place here. But there's not many of these, these places left. listening to Breitbart News Daily. We talked to John Nolte today. I always love talking to John every Friday. Some great life advice from Mr. Nolte. 
But we want to play for you here the interview with AWR Hawkins. He's the Breitbart News Second Amendment correspondent. He's the best. There were a couple mass shootings, and we'll get his take on this. And I also also ask him, what is this holster of choice? So if you're in the market for one, he gives his advice. Here it is. Let's chat about uh, we got two shooting, two big shootings happened, and then uh, some gun law stuff. Of course, want to get the latest, make sure we're on top of it. Uh, what happened at uh, UNLV, University of Las Vegas? Uh, well, you had a guy who uh, had applied to work at the school. He wasn't hired. Uh, he'd been a professor for uh, nearly two decades in North Carolina, and uh, he opened fire. He was It was a targeted hit. He had a list with him. These are things I've covered even this morning at Broadbard. He had a list with him, uh, and he used a handgun. Uh, nine millimeter and uh, three three people were killed and one was critically wounded that one has that individual has since improved to stable and uh he was he was killed by police he confronted police he actually shot at police and uh they took him out so uh it was a it it didn't last long and uh, that's that that was on wednesday morning yeah how many people killed you say Three, three killed, one critically wounded, but that individual has improved to stable. What do you, well, uh, let me ask you about, then we'll move to Texas, and then I got a bigger question. What happened in Austin? Uh, Austin, you have some uh, Looney Tune who, uh, he started in San Antonio. He killed his parents. Looks like he killed them and stuffed them in a closet or, or a very small room, and then drove around and you know austin and uh san antonio aren't far apart and he looks like he drove toward austin shot at a police officer and shot at other individuals i guess he shot from the car a couple of times and uh then he did shoot and kill some more people he went into a home different things like that uh and he was arrested he wasn't killed but he was arrested and so he probably will be killed. He was arrested in Texas, and that's how it should be. So that that was uh, that was earlier in the week. Wait, okay. <laughs> what do you mean he probably will be killed? Oh well, Greg Abbott will pursue capital murder on him, and that means that they'll send him over to Huntsville, and they'll put him to sleep, which is what they should do. Is that like California, where it takes forty years to do that? No, no, it's not like that. You'll, you'll, you, your kids will still be young when this guy goes to sleep. Oh no way! Is that right? That there's a lot of yeah. death penalty in, in Texas. Yeah, Texas is keeping hope alive. <laughs> what do you, when these things happen, do you care about motive? What's the motive? Nah, what I care more about, if you look at UNLV, Mike, UNLV is a gun-free campus, and we covered that at Breitbart. So what I care more about is fixing these laws. I believe uh, Joe Lombardo, the governor in Nevada, I believe he's a good man, and I mean that my whole heart. I think he needs to look at this because the UNLV policy is a reflection of Nevada state law. And again, we covered that at Breitbart. So Nevada needs to change that state law that bars law-abiding citizens from being armed for self-defense because to me the most tragic aspect of all this is the thought of these professors in these rooms and this guy comes in he knows he's the only person that's got a gun he knows nobody can fight back nobody can do anything and we got to flip that 
So when he comes in that room, he has to guess, how many guns will I be facing? How quick will I die? Those are the thoughts that need to be in his mind. And that way, law-abiding citizens go home for dinner at night like they're supposed to. Thinking of an unarmed man. Let's say, let's do the, let's stay in the school or grocery store. It doesn't matter. And you can walk around thinking you're strong and, and masculine or whatever. And then a guy comes around with a gun wanting to kill you. You're now totally, you're, you got nothing, right? There, you've no, right. there's there, you're, you're masculine. You're, you're, you're as weak and puny and pathetic and helpless as one could possibly be. In that moment, right. if you're unarmed, that's not a feeling right. a man should ever have, right? Am, am I thinking about this right? Yeah, you are. Now, we'll tell you one thing. This is going to sound counterintuitive at first, but not if you think about it. If you're lucky enough that the attacker is using a rifle or a, even a shotgun, a long gun, although that's a deadly firearm, you might be able to get it away from him because he's got to swing that firearm up, and it takes a little longer. I mean, the left doesn't understand this when they talk about their gun bans. They don't understand it. It takes a lot longer to get that long gun up, shouldered, and on target. So you might have a chance to take it away from him if you can keep your wits about you. Yeah, you're gonna have to but the thing, is, the thing is, can you keep your wits about you when you know you're a trigger pull away from gone? And that's the disadvantage you have when you're in a gun-free zone. Yeah, and I think I think like let's say it happened in a grocery store, and and you're unarmed, and maybe it's not maybe it's not that fast, right? You hear the gunshots on the other side of the store or something, right? <clears throat> but you know, you, right. all you got is run and hide, and right. and you, you got your kids a, or can, a can of corn. I remember we covered some Looney Tune uh, uh, school administrator that wanted to arm uh, teachers with cans of corn. No joke, I'm not making that up. And I mean, that's how goofy the left is. That's the extreme they'll go to to avoid letting people have guns for self-defense. Okay. But but uh, AWR, isn't it, what does this say about America? That a story day after day, people murdering each other in the streets, these mass, more mass shootings in, in, uh, in the U.S. of KKK, and everyone's killing each other, and it's just awful, AWR. Yeah, well, I mean... We have a big country, uh, and uh, we're also free. And so you're going to have criminals act like criminals, uh, but at the same time, you have law-abiding citizens act like law-abiding citizens. I mean, we've got over 25 million. I'm just going to go with one type of firearm. We've got over 25 million AR and AK-style rifles in this country. Uh, now, you think about that, 25 million. One of those was not used at UNLV, by the way. One of those was not used in San Antonio and Austin, by the way. No, they, their handguns were used there. But we've got 25 million just of those type of guns in circulation. If you think about that, how rarely are those guns used in crime? I mean, we've covered it, Breitbart. Uh, more people are beat to death every year than are killed with rifles. About three times more people are stabbed to death than are killed with rifles. So we always... Listeners, we've got to back away from these things and look at them. And when CNN tells you there are X amount of mass shootings every day or X amount of this every day, you got to back up and just go, somebody's got their facts wrong because it's not playing out like that. Chuck Schumer says, this week I'm going to put the assault weapons ban on the Senate floor 
After I led the passage of the Brady Bill and the assault weapons ban 30 years ago, America saw a decrease in mass shootings and gun deaths. Is that true? No, it's not true. Uh, Ed Breitbart covered a uh, Department of Justice. The Department of Justice has a National Institute of Justice. Uh, and uh, NIJ, I covered a report from NIJ that said any impact on crime by that ban was negligible. And that's a paraphrase, but that was the whole point of their report. Uh, and the reason that is, is what I said just before that, Mike. These firearms aren't used in mass shootings anyway, or excuse me, they're not, they're not used in crime in general. Uh, it doesn't matter you lump in mass shootings and regular crime and lump it all in together. Rifles are not a go-to for criminals, but for many reasons. And one is they're hard to conceal. And the criminal loses the element of surprise if he walks in with a visible gun. So uh, it's better if he or she could come in with a with a handgun that they can pull from concealment. Then they have the drop on the people they're trying to kill. They don't want they don't come in waving it around. If they do, they usually get to uh, take a dirt nap, which is how it's supposed to work. So why not just let them uh, ban the assault rifle then, uh, AWR? If it's not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I love making AWR take, giggle. Why, that's why. That's why. No, for one call every time we chat. My, are you trying to take my AR, Mike? No. no what's see, the point? Is, you don't. You don't need them anyway. Yeah, you don't. You're right. You don't need. Let me tell you this. You look at look at these videos in Democrat-run states like California, where gangs, not one or two, but ten, fifteen people are kicking in doors, storming businesses, storming homes. Now, you're in that situation. See, it's not conspiracy thought anymore. You're in that situation. The last thing I want is a six-round revolver. And I'm not putting revolvers down. I like revolvers. But if you're, just imagine your wife and your kids are at home. When 10 people come through your front door, at least half of them are armed. She can level the playing field real quick if she's got an AR with a standard 30-round mag, and she knows how to use it. Not only can she level the playing field, she can stack some bodies, and she can save her kids. And so I don't need some leftist telling me I don't need an AR because of this and because of that, especially when that leftist is protected 24-7 with that very firearm. I don't need that. I don't even listen to it. You had headline, ATF caves under pressure from GOP House, accepts 40,000 additional petitions against background check rule. What's the backstory here? Well, the, here's the backstory. ATF is trying to do an end around Congress and uh, put universal background checks in place. And what they do is they propose one of these rules, and then they, they have a 90-day period of public comment. And And what we're supposed to do, we're supposed to go, oh, they're going to read our comments, and whatever we say, that's what they're going to do. This is not bad at all. That's what we're supposed to do. But see, what Representative Andrew Clyde found out is that, that these heathens had not accepted 40,000 petitions uh, from the National Association for Gun Rights. And so he and other GOP House members put pressure on the ATF, and they caved. And they said, okay, we'll accept those. And this is the start of what needs to happen, because what needs to happen is during, during this proposal period, Mike, the ATF needs to not only accept these comments, but read these comments and act accordingly. If 
a majority of those comments say, we don't want you making this rule. The rule needs to be dropped. This is the start of what the ATF needs to realize regarding that. Andrew Clyde is on this. He's on it big time, and I hope he keeps pushing. Yeah, we talked to Clyde the other day. He's great. Uh, what is what is this background check rule that the, they want to do? Oh, they want to put in universal background checks. They don't call it that, though. They What they've done – see, I don't know if you remember. It's been so many things. There have been so many things in the last three years. You know, they've, they've redefined gun parts so that now gun parts are firearms. So even if the frame is only 80% complete, it's a firearm. That's the definition the ATF gave it. You know, they gave a bump stock the definition of a machine gun. It doesn't even have a barrel or a trigger, but the ATF says so. So we've been going through that, and now what they're doing with this background check rule, they changed the definition of firearms dealer so that they broaden who is a dealer and who isn't. And what they're going to do is they're going to put something up, let's just say like this, Mike, that if you sell privately – three guns a year, then you're a dealer. And everybody you sell to, you have to get a background check. So that would mean, even if I don't regularly sell guns, and I don't, uh, I very rarely in my life have sold a gun to anybody. But let's just say this year I decided, well, I have this many shotguns. I'm going to sell three of them. I couldn't sell them to my neighbor I've known my whole life unless I call the government. And the government comes over and does a background check. And that gives them the opportunity to write down the serial numbers of every one of those guns. And now there's a paper trail on every one of those guns. So that when the next hardcore leftist is president and he or she has a hardcore leftist Congress, when they want to come take guns, they'll know exactly where those three are and they can come snatch them. That's how this process works. We don't really hear or talk about the ATF a lot. You do, but most people don't. You don't hear about it in the news. What should a, a President Donald Trump do when it comes to the ATF? Well, he could come in. Well, he should encourage uh, uh, the House to uh, defund the Appropriations Committee, to defund every ATF gun control in existence. Seriously, one at a time. Just go through and defund every one of them. I know, and I'm sure you know, but for our listeners, I'll say once the House defunds a rule, it is literally illegal for the ATF to look elsewhere for money to enforce that rule. If the House defunds it, that rule is dead. And so uh, if Donald Trump gets back in, that needs to be a, a primary focus that we are going we are going to kneecap the ATF. We're going to take away their ability to enforce these rules. And uh, I believe that uh, the ATF director ought to be removed and. Uh, either don't put a director in, I think that's the smartest move, or number two, put in somebody, somebody who thinks just like Clarence Thomas. Now, if you can do that, I'll go work for the ATF. How's, 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 how's AWR Like You got some uh, time in your schedule to maybe be the director? I, I would make time. You want to make me ATF director, I would make time. Or I could be Biden's AFT director, however you want to phrase it. Either one. <laughs> uh, what is the National, <clears throat> National Association for Gun Rights versus the city of Naperville, Illinois? Big deal right here. Uh, this, is, this, is, this is broadened. It also includes uh, action against the state of Illinois. So what you're doing is you have a lawsuit against uh, – 
the assault weapons ban in that state. And uh, you've got you've had the Supreme Court hesitant to get involved. They're saying let the appeals process break, uh, you know, finish up. And so what uh, National uh, Association for Gun Rights has done is now they've come back and they've said, well, if you won't get involved, at least block the enforcement of this ban until the appeals process is done. So that's where we are right now. And uh, they're also asking for an in bank hearing from the Seventh Circuit. And uh, if the Seventh Circuit will hear this in bank, they can stop the uh, uh, the assault weapons ban for good right there. Uh, but the backside of this is there is a, a chance the Seventh Circuit would rule in favor of the ban, in which case we can finally get an assault weapons ban case in front of Clarence Thomas. And I'll tell you what, I will buy popcorn and sodas for everybody when that happens <laughs> because we are going to be free people again because Justice Thomas and and company, they're going to get up there and throw this assault weapons ban out. They're going to say, no, these, these are commonly owned weapons, which is the language of Heller, 2008. These are commonly owned. They're used for self-defense. That's also the language of Heller, 2008. And they're just going to say, you got to give up these bans. These, these are constitutionally protected firearms. It's going to be awesome. Uh, that's great. <laughs> what if the guns look scary, though, you know? Yeah, I'll tell you what looks scary. A, a slingshot at my temple. If I don't have anything in my hands, but I see you've got a slingshot and you've got it pulled back and you've got a lead ball in it, that's scary. But I don't want to ban your slingshot. I just want to carry a 9 millimeter, and I can shoot you when you try to do that. I saw someone, so we all know the story of David and Goliath, of course. I saw someone with one of those ancient slings that David would have had would, or right. did use. Unbelievable what this thing right. the like of course a one of these to the head would kill you like there's no question like this thing was a serious weapon he took you know, he put it in this thing he whipped it around like five times and let it just ping, hit the target perfect it was insane right well i'll tell you i'll tell you what mike I, i'm not getting off topic but i want to say something to the listeners if you watched our breitbart coverage this week we covered that joe biden responded to that unlv handgun attack by pushing an assault weapons ban. And I think the listeners need to let that soak in and understand. I think it's a it's an overarching lesson you get when you read uh when you read uh the news written the right way and that means without this twisted leftist bias. When you read it you go, Wow, Democrats take things. They want to take. They constantly want to take and enslave. And so Joe Biden Push a ban on AR-15s after a nine millimeter handgun was used to kill three people at UNLV. Let that soak in and understand that is the degree to which they hate your freedom. Sir, do you have a um, holster recommendation, a holster of choice you'd like to recommend to the people listening? Holster of choice, well, if you want to carry inside the waistband, for me, there's only one option. That's a crossbreed super tuck. And the crossbreed, when you get it, it's large. I just I tell people that. When you get this holster, it looks big, and you go, this isn't going to work. But it's large because, so that it it dissipates the, the presence of the gun. I remember I got my first super tuck. I was carrying a gun inside my waistband. I came home. 
And I sat on the couch to watch TV. I fell asleep. I slept about an hour and a half with the, with the gun still on me. It was so comfortable, I forgot I had it on. Yeah. So you can carry all day with that. The crossbreed super tuck, if you're going to carry inside the waistband, is a perfect choice. There's no such thing as solutions, only trade-offs. So when you're looking at a holster, what are your trade-offs that you're willing to make? Well, it's just got to be comfortable. Uh, and uh, and if I have to wear, let's say I wear it a T-shirt, if I have to put, let's say, a button-up short sleeve over the T-shirt so it hangs down a little bit to cover up where the gun is, I'll do that. I'll do that. And that's a trade-off you have to make if you carry outside the waistband. You have to make that trade-off quite often. But if you carry inside the waistband, like I'm saying, even with a medium to large size gun, uh, that super tuck holds it so close to your body, even with a T-shirt on, you oftentimes don't print at all. You don't show the gun. Now, I love to open carry, and I'm always in states, Kentucky, Texas, Arizona, where I can open carry. And I open carry regularly because I think it's important for families to see a father with a gun. I think it's important that they see that and they go, man, that's just part of what he does to keep his family safe. Yeah, that's right. A.W.R. Hawkins, Breitbart News, Second Amendment correspondent, much more. A.W.R. Hawkins on the Twitter. A.W.R., great to talk to you, brother. Hey, great being with you. Merry Christmas, buddy. And to you. Superb. Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening to Breitbart News Daily. Appreciate you. The, the, whole, um, the whole show is available on SiriusXM. You can download the app and uh, listen to SiriusXM. Uh, on Monday's show, we have to get... We did a, a, I just previewed briefly, but this idea of the great leveling that's happening around us. The idea that there is no such thing as... Like, everything's the same. <laughs> everything's the same value. There's no, there's no excellence. It's all the same in every way. And we have to reject that outright. We'll talk more about that on Monday. Have a great weekend. Mike Slater, Breitbart News Daily. Spread the word. Come on, we'll